Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. Uh, we are joined uh, once again by Mick O'Connell, uh, Fanula Jones and S. McCarthy. Good afternoon to you all. Good Hi afternoon. guys. Hi Sean. All right, great. So uh, the I'm interested in the names of the films, um, Esther, because I haven't heard of anything about either of them. Jockey and the Tinder Swindler, which I would imagine was a description of half the people on Tinder. But tell us about Jockey first. <laughs> Jockey's really sweet. Um, it's in cinemas from today, into the, and it's a uh, it's an interesting one because it's a guy by the name of Clifton Collins Jr. who you think you've never heard of, and then you Google and you go, oh, he's that guy in that thing. Um, he's one of the kind of most successful character actors in America. He's been in loads of things like Westworld, Traffic, Star Trek. He's just one of these really recognizable faces as well. Um, but somebody finally had to cop on to give him a leading role. And he is absolutely fantastic in this um, a story you you think is going to be very cliched, but it's handled with a gentle of t- gentleness of touch that makes it kind of special. I think um, he's an aging jack- jockey. His body is given up on him and he's kind of battling for his career and his professional life to keep going. Um, so it's kind of like the wrestler with horses. Mm. Sorry, I was drinking wine. That makes sense. Uh, um, <laughs> kind of drifted off there looking at, at mixed wine. Uh, and uh, yes, the, the Tinder swindler. This is sensational. Um, wow. When this first debuted on the, in every sense of the word, actually, when this first debuted on the festival circuit, it was instantly a bidding war for it between the streamers and the studios. Uh, Netflix won out. And it's on Netflix. Um, I think it landed yesterday. So some of our listeners may be al- already onto this one. And I, the minute I saw the name Bart Layton as an executive producer, I went, OK, I want to watch this because Bart Layton made my second. I think I did a list of my top 20 films of, of the two first decades and The Imposter was number two. Um, and it's a sensational film. If you've never seen it, it's a documentary about um, this guy who posed as a, a returning missing child in America and went to live with the family. And it's just the detail in it and the storytelling power of it makes it feel like a kind of a, a real crime thriller, a true crime thriller. And they're doing the same thing here. Leighton is producing um, and it's director by the name of Felicity Morris, who produced another documentary, which I know is very popular. I haven't seen it called Don't F With Cats. Mm. Um, and she's the, the person here. So these are really, really good documentary makers telling the story of this guy who would, Simon Laviv, uh, who would pose on uh, Tinder um, as this multimillionaire with this amazing lifestyle, dupe these women, um, get into a sexual relationship with them, promise them a happy ever after, sells them the absolute fairy tale love affair and cons them out of, like, one woman has conned out of quarter of a million dollars. This guy, Sean, I don't know if he's... if the word flute is just a term of abuse in Cork, but like this guy is the absolute personification of the word. A horrible, horrible, nasty piece of work. Um, but the devil of the detail in this, like a couple of the women kind of twig what's going on and decide to exact revenge. And uh, so he doesn't get it all his own way in this. And he certainly gets um, his comeuppance. It's a brilliant documentary. If you like... Um, true crime stuff it's it's there on your netflix for this weekend it's a really but like it it never cheapens the cost 
to these people either uh, and the extent of what he does. It's I think it's called a Ponzi scheme, is it? Yeah. Where you your name's never on the credit card. Somebody else is paying for, you know, so it's very he was very, very hard to track down because all of these poor women were the ones whose names are on the cards and on the checks. Um, one woman was paying for the other woman's private jet travel basically you know and that's how he managed to uh dupe them all along all through the game um and and yeah really yeah. nasty stuff uh, yeah it often strikes me about those kind of documentaries and there's been a few of them lately that when the people are being interviewed and then afterwards when they describe what they did that they must be thinking why am I saying this out loud? Why was I so stupid that I didn't see it at the time? Because, in you know, of course, in retrospect, it's uh, it's clear as day uh, what the problem was. Uh, yeah, that is fascinating. Absolutely. Uh, I think a lot of people are probably too embarrassed to come forward as well. So I think the two, three women actually at the centre of this, what they do to him is just epic, to be honest with you. Okay, that's, all. Yeah. that's interesting. Uh, the hashtag is TripAdvisor Movies, The Fault in One Stars uh, and Room With No View uh, being two examples of that. So today, Mick, is it like a Chardonnay off we're having? It's a bit of a Chardonnay off and they're, they're both French as well. One is from the south of France and one is from the Jura, so in the foothills of the Alps. And But we kind of thought to myself, Chardonnay, much maligned grape variety, but if I were to pick one grape variety that I had to drink for the rest of all time, it would probably be Chardonnay. Okay. And probably don't do enough of it on, on the show because there's there's a lot of people who are in that uh, anything but Chardonnay camp. Yes. Or they might think oh, Chardonnays are all largely the same. Yeah. And, and there are so, so many examples of things that even the people in the ABC sh- camp will really, really enjoy, I think. And hopefully one or even both of these might fall into that category. Right. Now, uh, the fellas in the News Talk Batcave tell me that uh, there are still a few tickets left for uh, the outside broadcast this day week, next Friday in the Sugar Club. Uh, and uh, we'll all be there and uh, uh, doing the things to be familiar with. Uh, if you'd like to get tickets for that, newstalk.com forward slash events. Uh, there's a form you'll have to fill out there and then you can download the tickets uh, there and then. That's happening this day week, uh, two to four uh, o'clock, of course. Uh, now, there's a Scream What Numbers is coming next. This will be six, I think. I'm pretty sure it's six. So Scream 5 came out, obviously, towards the end of Mm. last year. Or was it six just gone? Someone will correct me on text, I'm sure. But yeah, we're getting another one. It's a sequel to the sequel because the last one did so well. $100 million at the box office. Um, People are just obsessed with this franchise. I feel like it's... I feel like we'll keep getting Screams as long as the people who love Scream continue to love Scream because they'll go see Scream because they're just obsessed with the cast, I think. Um, the Is campiness, it, I've never I seen any of them. Is it the same people? Oh, have you never seen any of them? No. I think the first one is like, is a cult classic for all, like, all the good reasons. I, I think I saw the the remake of the remake whenever that was in the noughts and I thought that was fine, but I didn't see the ones in the middle and I don't think I was. I only saw the first one during one of the Halloween lockdowns as like kind of a project because I'd never seen it and I was like, oh my God, I've been sleeping on this for so long. Um, I I do see why the first one is such a cult thing. Okay. But I don't know why there needs to be this many of them. And I, I haven't seen the most recent one. So maybe again, someone will correct me on text. Maybe they've done really amazing things with the story. Well, I don't know if Esther's money. seen it. Yeah. They made money, exactly. Yeah, and it's the whole thing of seeing Courtney Cox and everything back on screen and like these iconic characters. Like, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. there's going to be but another But is one. it like Courtney Cox is in every one of them and she fights 
murderous people she's or, been or, or in, what's the gist here what's going on oh she's been in most of like there's been a couple of moving parts but like it's been her the lead gal whose name escapes me Nev Campbell sorry uh, the other guy David Arquette he's come back I think Matthew mm. Willard or Hillard there's is there a in special this one well. talent agency called haven't done anything else.com you can hire these <laughs> could do with doing something I haven't done anything in a while there you go but yeah they're filming this summer so expect that sequel maybe next year or the year after if you're interested right okay uh, yeah <laughs> not me but yeah, I suppose oh, it's one of those things they're just shoveling it's ice. it's like Kentucky Fried Chicken or something yeah. you know people just become addicted that's to the thing yeah Yeah. Uh, now uh, no, actually somebody texted in about it we interviewed a guy at the start of the show who's read every Marvel comic there's 27,000 of them I would love to have that time it, it took him six years okay uh, I would love to have six years so, to do that. Let's just say his marriage suffered. Uh, so, uh, and someone did text in saying, Dakota, "Who's Dakota Johnson going to be?" So she is down. It's not confirmed, but she—I think it's pretty much confirmed. She's down to like the final two or whatever to play Madame Web in the like Spider-Man universe within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This wasn't a character uh, I'm familiar with, but in the comics. She's like an elderly woman who has the con- this condition called myasen- myasthenia gravis, which is oh, basically yeah. like something... That's a real condition. Your muscles... De- I actually Googled it. Your muscles degenerate or something. But she's connected to a life support system that looks like a spider web. Um, but So she like... She has these powers, but because of the condition, she doesn't actively fight any villains but they reckon they're kind of going to change her story so that, I don't know, maybe the movie is like more dynamic Sorry, what does she do in the comics then? Just like <laughs> judge people from the sidelines. Shout out the way, well, Spider-Man, that was a bit of crap. <laughs> I hope it is because if, it, if that, that would is be the case, good, actually. Dakota yeah. Johnson is perfect for that character, yeah. if so, but I think they're, I think they're going to try and turn it into something else and make it that it's, she's going to have like these kind of psychic sensory powers and she's going to be the Sony equivalent to Doctor Strange. This is going to mean something to Marvel people. It kind of doesn't really mean anything to me. Right, um, okay. But it's basically off the back of like Sony of it a like a massive year and a half really with Venom Let There Be Carnage actually did really well better than I thought that was like 500 million dollars worldwide and then Spider-Man No Way Home obviously was the biggest film of 2021 with like in into the billions of monies made across the box office so. oh it's mad stuff isn't yeah. it uh, I did Bri- very much enjoy that Spider-Man though it's very good uh, Brian says I think the current craze for revisiting old movie franchises like uh, The Scream is called a requel okay okay interesting yeah. there you go keep working on that material Brian <laughs> Brian's got his head in his hands right now. Uh, probably we'll see Brian next week, come to think of it. Uh, right, uh, so uh, tell us about our first Chardonnay. So this one is from the south of France and it's near um, Montpellier where this is where the grapes for this are grown. And this guy used to be the biggest melon farmer in, uh, in France and then came to his senses and started growing grapes and losing lots of money most likely. He probably made a small fortune off melons and decided to invest it into uh, grape production which as we know makes no money for anybody at all. But this, this is quite a ripe style of Chardonnay and in some ways is a little bit like the style that I think would have put people off Chardonnay in the first place. Yes. So the style mainly from kind of Australia and California in the US, these kind of places were bringing out in the 90s, early 2000s, were bringing out kind of big, oaky, buttery styles of Chardonnay. Mm. Very, very ripe. And what we'd call in the wine trade a bit flabby, lacking in a little bit of acid and structure and and lacking in a little bit of refreshment. 
can totally understand why they would put people off because sometimes they can come across a bit sweet in the mouth and people don't want that. They want dryness. And that's why the old classic line of um, I love Chablis, but I don't like Chardonnay. Mm. despite the fact Chablis happens to be made from Chardonnay. Chablis is an unoaked style and is really kind of mineral and refreshing so you can totally understand why people would like Chablis but not classic styles of Chardonnay. This to me, it's really difficult now to find that buttery tropical style of Chardonnay because everybody has just moved so far away from it because of this anything but Chardonnay camp. And this one has that kind of tropical feel but probably not quite as much oak. And yes, the oak has yeah. that all that kind of vanilla stuff. But yeah, this is also pretty good value. So this is at 17 euros um, and fairly widely available. So I, I would say that for people who are looking for a kind of classic style Chardonnay that you can't find anymore, this, mm-hmm. is, a, this is a good option. And it's a producer called St. Vincent or St. Vincent. Wow. I thought people were put off Chardonnay because people started calling their children Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Come in for your dinner Chardonnay <laughs> and, and that kind of thing. Uh uh, someone has a question for you. Uh, I texted in last week in relation to a good Malbec. Your wine expert, which it wasn't you, obviously, Mick, uh, uh, recommended a wine from Italy, France or Spain. I took his advice and got Salise Salinto. Uh, the off-licensed person recommended it also. No idea what sort of wine it is. Malbec, Shiraz, etc. But I'm looking forward to trying it out. Thanks, wine guy. Well, yeah, thanks, Mick, even though that wasn't Mick who did <laughs> I'll, that. I'll accept the praise. Thank yeah, you. fair enough. Uh, Owen says, so Dakota Johnson is playing a Twitter troll. That sounds essentially like what it is. Kind of, yeah. And it is kind of how she acts in real life. If you watch any of her interviews, like she is very, very good at media and very good at the game and can be very, very funny. So I'd be very interested in her in this. One of the movies we're talking about today is called The Tinder Swindler. Uh, Barry in Black Rock says uh, his daughter checked it out and he's still on Tinder. So look out, ladies. Uh, um, So uh, which movie would you like to do first, Esther? Let's absolutely talk about that swindler. Yeah. Right. Okay. He's still on Twinder. It's the t- Twinder. Uh, the Tinder. The Tinder swindler. That's hard to say. Up next. Movies and booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. You can find a bit of everything on Tinder, but one little swipe can change your life. When I first talked with Simon, immediately we had a bond. He was smart and funny and very impulsive. I shared my whole heart with him. And then he asked me if I wanted to travel with him on a private jet. He took me to a five-star hotel. He said we had a special connection. It felt like stepping into a movie. And then in the middle of the night, he said there was something he wants to tell me. He said he has threats against him. He needs to borrow cash. $20,000. His life depended on me. That's when police tell me. The man I love was never real. Everything's a lie. Right, that's the uh, a clip from the Tinder Swindler, uh, uh, currently available on Netflix. So uh, is it a one-off? Uh, or, or is there more yeah, it's a, it's a feature. Yeah, it's a feature documentary. It's a one-off. Yeah, um, and it's so good. It's really good storytelling in this, and and a crazy story about this absolute knuckle dragger um, who was posing as a guy by the name of Simon Leviev. Um, uh He would tell women he would he would. Well, first of all, he was uh, listed as a uh, 
billionaire on his Twitter feed. So there was lots of people going to look at that um, and, and swipe the right way. Uh, and he kind of had this lifestyle and he would connect with these women, smart women now, really smart, sophisticated women, um, and would forge a relationship with them, meet them, um, embark on a sexual relationship with them and tell them that he's very much in love, sold the whole fairy tale to them. Sean talked about moving in. They would meet people he knew. Uh, he would share a lot of stuff online with them. And, and, you know, everything looked really credible. And I think the great trick of what he does and great cruelty of what he does is because these women think they're with a guy who's a millionaire that money shouldn't be a big deal so when he mm. says he quickly needs a loan I, I think that's a very clever ruse yeah of course you'd feel stupid afterwards but for someone to whom money is no object you're going to kind of go out of your way for that so the ruse would be he would form this relationship you'd know people in his life um, and he would tell you invariably he'd lots of different careers but invariably he said he was the son of um a diamond millionaire. And if you Googled his name, there is a diamond company and his father's name's correct. You know, so if you did all the usual checks with a new date, it would come come across as, as authentic. Um, but what he would always plant in the women's brains was the idea that the, that he travels a lot to South Africa and places like this and that the diamond industry is notoriously lined full of criminals. It's dirty. It's murky. And then... This woman, as you heard in the, the clip there, would get a call in the middle of the night. Photographs of the bodyguard that you have met, the security guy that you have met, covered in blood um, and in a hospital bed. And uh, him him in the photos with them going, can you please send me money? They're tracking me. Uh, he would tell them things like that these people are chasing, trying to track us down and they're tracking us down through my bank activity. And we don't want them to know where they, we are. So can you... Um, wire this money to me as quickly as possible and here's where it gets really really cruel uh, with one of the women she, she maxed out her credit limit because she's a normal ordinary person she managed to get 30,000 quid in loans right and what he did was I'm going to employ you he took her on as an employee and gave her the documentation to present to the banks um, and put her on a fake income of 90 grand a month so that she could um, take out massive, massive loans. Um, and she just said she didn't even think about that money, just said, I've never had that kind of pressure before with somebody's life, depending on what you do. She was scammed out a quarter of a million. Um, wow. Quid. She ended up in checking herself into a psychiatric ward after being driving down the... She had nine different creditors, by the way. So all those warning letters, final reminders, times nine. Um, and checked herself into a psychiatric order after driving down the street and going, I could just drive off the bridge here and being genuinely afraid for her own life. Um, because this is, an, this is an emotional con. It's not just you're financially ruined. You, you have invested your future um, in this person. And I think it's very, very powerful storytelling. And uh, two, two or three of the women exact their revenge, basically. One of them comes across an obscure article written in Finnish, um, at the behest of the police. And the guy's real name is Shiman Hayek. Uh, Israeli, has been doing this since he was a teenager, has duped, like, so many people. He duped friends, business associates, 
the driver he hired to to drive his private car, um, working class man, you know, he just the extent of it is extraordinary. But these women anyway decide to go to the media. Uh, one of them goes to the biggest um, national newspaper in Norway where she lives and they do an entire sting. They travel to where they know he is. And some of this plays out like it's brilliant filmmaking in the sense that it feels like it's playing out in real time because one of the women um, is still dating the guy. So when the newspaper gets in touch with her and tracks her down to, to try and find out more about him, where he is, and she can say, well, I'm meeting him in Berlin tomorrow. So the newspaper um, team and the investigators are, are like on a ten, uh, you know, rush against time to get to Berlin, time to meet this guy. And he really gets served in the end. Uh, there's one delightful one, one delightful story in particular. I'm not going to tell you about it. It's too good. Okay, yeah. But there's a woman. If you if your queens are Beyonce and Taylor Swift, I put forward the idea that your 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 queen should be a woman by the name of Aileen Charlotte, who's in a private jet with this guy who's been dating him for fourteen months. When she comes across this newspaper article in the Norwegian paper, and let's just say. The swindler gets rightly swindled by this woman and it's so much fun to see him getting the same treatment that he's been doling out to others. Really, really good, this. Right, really does, good it, does it, don't tell us, but does it tell you at the end where he is now, what happens to him? I was reading about him because uh, <laughs> you will want to know more when you've seen yeah, this. Yeah, you will, uh, yeah. Y- yeah, he's done a big thing. Uh, I don't even know if this is true. It's hard to know what's true and not true with him for obvious reasons. Uh, but he did a big photo shoot a couple of years ago where he claims he's gone legit now and all these women were lying um, in a really, really fancy apartment that it turned out he had rented as an Airbnb. Of course. <laughs> of course he had. Oh, so he's not in prison. He did time. Yeah, yeah. not enough. Not enough, I would say. he. I think he got... Um, you see, it was, uh, as, I, as I mentioned at the start, his name was never on the credit cards. His name was never on the checks. Yeah. The women were financing each other and he was having the lifestyle benefit of all of that. So there was very little to kind of nail him for, you know. Yeah. Very clever, very clever the way he went about it. Uh, the, uh, was he a good looking fella? He's all right. Look, because I'm no, getting a lot of text saying, "Oh yeah, of course, women swipe right if there's money." Because uh, <laughs> you know you can't help yourselves. And, the, look, and I'm women dangling talk a about... euro in front of Fanula right now, and she's you know Salivating. she's begging like Fainting. a puppy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, there is that, and the women have to confront that and be judged for that in the documentary as well. Um, but he, I would say, yes, if he's a, mil- a billionaire, you're going to have a look, aren't you? Then he's good looking. He's kind of cool. Uh, you just had him as a possible or whatever they call it in, in Tinderland. Um, and then he starts messaging you and like tries to meet up very quickly. Like that, that's part of the ruse as well. He kind of comes across as really spontaneous and says, oh, guess what? I'm in London tonight or guess what? I'm in Oslo tonight. Mm-hmm. Do you want to meet and stuff like that? So he's actually targeting people who are where he is you know he's a step ahead of the game all of the time it was really hard for people to track this guy down he's been doing it for years and years and years he even robbed people he was babysitting from when he was in his teens or something Jesus. like this yeah. uh, uh, the, uh, someone says the tinder swindler and the puppet master which James Dempsey was telling about as well are two of the most well crafted true crime documentaries I've seen in a long time both jaw dropping and gripping from start to finish, uh, indeed. And the Don't F With uh, Cats uh, documentary that this one made as well was uh, was quite extraordinary. Uh, now, if, speaking of quite extraordinary, 
The colour purple is being turned into a musical or a movie. Mu- is this like racism? It's not a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's it's kind of complicated, but it's kind of not. So the colour purple ran as a musical on Broadway from 2005 to 2008. Oh my God. And it was revived a bit later on. So basically now they're making a movie adaptation of the musical. So okay. it's not like a remake of the original Colour Purple. It's No. It's a film version of the musical, right? You're following? It's racism with jazz hands. I, yeah. I, I haven't seen the musical. It won a lot of awards. I, I The cast seems pretty good. If anyone watched American Idol once upon a time, you've Fantasia is signed up. Danielle Brooks, who were actually... Um, they're reprising their original roles from they were on Broadway with the actual show. We've Halle Bailey, um, who I'm pretty sure is the woman that's cast in the live action Little Mermaid that is coming this year, maybe like soon. I feel like I've been hearing about that for so long. But anyway, eventually, um, Taraji P. Henson and uh, the singer Her are also on board um, and it's looking like a 2023 release. So I don't know. I, just I make, think it, it, it I think this is for... Somehow. People who are into me, do you know, like I think if you like the musical, you're going to go see this or whatever. Or if yeah. you, I, I, I don't know. I don't know who else this is for otherwise, to be honest. Yeah. Now, uh, Saoirse Ronan is how old now? She's like 23 or something and still hasn't won an Oscar. So she's an utter failure. Uh, so uh, what's her latest attempt to get one? She is going to star in The Outrun, which is an adaptation of uh, Amy Liptrop's, Liptrot's, I should say, book of the same name. It's a memoir about her recovery from addiction. I haven't read it, um, but she's producing it as well. Uh, she's going to play Rona, who is a woman fresh out of rehab, who after more than a decade away returns to Scotland's wild Orkney Islands. And it's going to be directed by... Nora Fingshite, I think she did the Unforgivable, Sorry, which I Nora think. Nora Fingshite? Fings. I'm, I'm not thinking again. That's a great the name. spelling yeah. seems. Anyway. I can't wait for the Oscar nominations for that one. <laughs> but uh, she directed The Unforgivable, which I'm pretty sure I still reviewed a few weeks ago and right, didn't okay. love, if yeah. I remember correctly, but like liked Sandra yeah. Bullock's performance. Um, I, and has co written the screenplay along with uh, Amy Liptrot, who wrote the book. So. Should be interesting. She's doing that and that space drama that we talked about before with Paul Mescal. Yeah. They have to go to space or one of them goes to space and one of them lives on the farm. Remember he talked yes, about I that? Yes, I know. You did talk about that. But yeah. like he, that he, she leaves him behind on the farm or something. And, and Yeah, and then and he a, goes to space or something as like kind of a space yeah. forest thing. Yeah, so it's not really spacey. It's more farming. Or is it farming in space? Uh, yeah. I No, he's not farming in space, but there is a farming element to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Agricultural sci-fi. Sure, that's a genre. I'd see him more as a farmer, really. Yeah. She's more a space yeah. person. Yeah. Well, so bring it up with the casting the director. Short, short too much. <laughs> well, as long as he's wearing the short shorts. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Richard says, I always thought The Exorcist would make a great musical. The dance scenes would be fantastic. <laughs> when there are uh, a load of people with their heads spinning around 360, uh, 180 degrees. That I would be fantastic. Like see that, yeah. That would be awesome. Front that row would. getting sprayed. Yeah. <laughs> like at the Aquadome, yeah. Yeah, smell-o-vision as well. That would be really enjoyable. Make it happen, Richard. Make it happen. Yeah. Okay, right. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break. Uh, more Movies and Booze coming up. Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. Out of all the things you do in life, there's that one minute that you feel like you're the most important thing in the world because everybody's watching you. I was a great jockey. A little while. How you doing, Jax? I'm doing real good. I'm feeling good. Just tell me what's going on. 
it's it's just wear and tear. You've done some damage. You need to get yourself to a doctor. You are a doctor. I'm a horse doctor. You know, when you get older, you start to realize that uh, you and your body, they just ain't the same. Look, I know I'm not in the same shape as these young cats, but I still got a good couple years left in me. Right, uh, that's uh, Jockey. Uh, so, Esther, I suppose, uh, first off, where can people see Jockey? This is in cinemas from today, Sean. I think it's getting a national release as well. Um, and it's a good one. And it's kind of the f- kind of film I've been lamenting the loss of in cinemas because I think people have been going back to cinema, but, but, but not so much as to drama or even musicals um, like West Side Story. You know, people really... the the. They're going back to the big, huge popcorn stuff, um, the Bonds and the Spider-Mans. But this is the kind of film you'd miss having in a cinema because it's a, a, real, a real slow burner um, art house drama. It's a good film, but it's a great central performance from Clifton Collins um, Jr. As I said, the, the guy to the left of the lead guy in so many films and TV mm. shows um, who is now centre stage here and he is not missing his opportunity. Um, he plays Jackson Silva. He's this veteran jockey whose greatest achievements are behind him, but he still has this passion for his sport. And it's kind of, it's nice subtle storytelling here because you kind of work stuff out on on your own rather than have people pointing flags for you. And you do realise about three or four scenes into this that his life is on a racing track. That's all he's got. it's, It's his DNA, you know. He is preparing for um, a, a big major possible comeback race meeting in Phoenix with his trainer, who's also a close friend, who's uh, her name's Ruth and she's played by Molly Parker, another great indie actress. Um, they have a hunch about a new horse they have, uh, that the way it moves is something special. He, he describes it as like a swan with teeth. Um, but his body's failing him. We're never told his age, I don't think, but he, he looks weathered, you know. Um, it's that impact. There's really spends time with how punishing a jockey's lifestyle is. So I think it'll be really in, in, of interest to people who are interested in, in horse racing, which I know there's a huge audience for here. Um, you do, you know, you, you see um, jockeys like trying to get their weight down in the sauna to the extent that they have to go in with somebody else in case they pass out. Uh, and stuff like that, kind of the mad stuff you do, and also it's pointed out that you know the 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 industry puts you under more and more. This is flat racing in the US, so it's all about speed. Um, mm. so the industry puts you more and more under pressure to lose weight. Um, to get that speed at, at optimum levels, and the the jockeys talk about how that the impact that's having on their body and on their bones in particular. Um. And his body's gradually failing him. Like he's, we know there's something wrong with his back. The horse doctor says, will you go to a real doctor, please? I don't like the look of this x-ray. Um, <laughs> and he's that kind of guy, you know, he's like, I'm grand, I'm tough. And he's quite a gruff character as well. He's not like um, really empathetic, which is kind of what I like about him too. Um, and there's this twitch in his hand that won't go away uh, that he hasn't got looked at. And when he's riding horses, even his trainer has started to notice he's good at hiding pain. Jockeys tend to be good at that anyway. Uh, but his trainer has even noticed that when he's riding a horse, he started leaning to one side. So I'll say no more than that. Um, okay. Stuff is revealed. Uh, but one day, and this happened very early in the film, he notices the young jockey who's been observing him. And he's kind of noticed him in other cities as well. And he con- confronts him. 
this younger man named Gabriel, who's played by um, Moses Arias. And uh, he kind of confronts and says, look, you're, you keep showing up at the same stables and same race meetings as me. What's going on here? And he tells him that he's his father, that he's his son, that he had a relationship with a woman years earlier. Okay. That this man has no family. Um, and they embark on, he kind of denies outright and this happened very early in the film it's quite a dramatic scene that you would tend to expect late in the film but it happens that he kind of basically basically tells him the timing's off and that's not possible um to to great pain from the younger man you know but they don't kind of resolve that uh but there's no kind of major drama out of it either so the men just kind of start to hang out uh, they embark on this kind of awkward and complicated relationship as they get to know each other. Um, and I think b- because he's such a talented young jockey, he takes an interest in him. Um, and it, it emerges as well that Gabriel has been obsessed with this older man, um, Jackson Silva, since he was a young boy and has newspaper clippings of his greatest achievements um, and, and would have been inspired by those achievements to get into um, horse racing. So that's kind of what it is. It's beautiful looking. It's um, it's shot in sundown and sunset a lot. It looks like a Chloe Zhao movie called um, The Rider, which is a wonderful uh, film about the, the horse racing business as well, with, from another angle, actually. Um, before she made Nomadland, it kind of put her on the radar of everyone in Hollywood. So it reminded me of that because of all those beautiful, big American skies and those big red skies. Um, really pretty looking film. The danger, I suppose, with a film like this is it can get bogged down in cliche, but I think it takes enough little, like no major shocks, but it takes enough little left-hand turns to keep you engaged. Um, but the acting, the performances are great, especially Clifton Collins Jr. in the lead. I really I really did like that this one, actually. It's subtle and it's melancholy and it's lovely looking. Um, and there's... I think it's because it's a first-time filmmaker, a guy by the name of Clint Bailey. He doesn't kind of tick the usual boxes that you get in a sports movie where, you know, I could have been a pretender, I could have been a success. can get yeah. very cliched very easily. Right. OK. That sounds like a good one. And uh, that is in uh, uh, movies right now. So let's have our second Chardonnay there, Mick. So this next one is from a region called the Jura. And this is in the foothills of the Alps. So... At the moment, it is very on trend. So it is cool in that sense, but it's also cool climate in terms of it it being a a cooler place. And this cooler place gives the acidity that is the benchmark of all the wines from the Jura. So the acidity keeps these wines really refreshing. And a lot of that is because of the cold weather they get at night. This particular one is by a producer called Fumé Chatelain. And it's by a very young winemaker called Marin Fumé. And... I think Marin would be kind of first to say that he is a man who's embarking on a kind of long career in wine and doesn't feel that he's necessarily the finished article yet and is very, very keen to learn. And if you compare this price-wise to some of the kind of famous wines of the Jura, this would be 33 euros. And like people like Tiso and Ganavat, these very kind of sought-after culty winemakers from the Jura, are like 60, 70, 100 euros mm, a bottle mm. kind of thing. So I think the pricing reflects where he feels he is. And he's quite a, he's quite a modest young guy. Wines are really, really good. Very subtle wines. And yeah, just yeah. tasting this one versus the last one. The last one was kind of all fruit and tropical. Mm. And, and fun this is a very delicate kind of laid back wine I think if people were into Chablis they would they would see a lot to like in this wine as well just a, a thing on, on Chardonnay in general 
2021 as a vintage in France was an absolute disaster vintage with frost and hail. So crops are right, right down and particularly in Burgundy. So the price of Chardonnay in Burgundy particularly is going to go up quite dramatically over the next year or so. Mm. So it's, I think because of that, it's a good time if you're into Burgundy, if you're into Chablis and Marcel and Polini and all of these things, now is a good time. One listener was asking about Rui. Um, yeah. Like that, that is another Chardonnay from from a really, really warmer part of, of, of the Burgundy. But they're going to have big price increases over the next couple of years. So now is a good time to kind of branch out and try to find other regions. So this one, the first one we did at 17 quid is kind of down from around Limoux. That's worth looking out for for Chardonnay. And then this one from Jura. This is definitely a better value Chardonnay from Jura. Um, but Jura is a region to look at as well. Um, so yeah, Chardonnay, sadly, for those people who are into it, are about to experience some... Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. Bad uh, news. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, especially Margaret, who says, I'm one of the rare breed who loves Chardonnay. I get some looks from my sister. Well, what sister doesn't give looks, Margaret, you know? <laughs> she doesn't understand. What is the name of the wine you have recommended or wines at this point? Quickly repeat them. Though, so right? the first one is from a producer called Vinoble Mure, M-U-R-E-T. And it's the St. Vincent label. And that's their Chardonnay. And then... The one that we've just spoke about from the Jura is Fumé Châtelain, F-U-M-E-Y and C-H-A-T-E-L-A-I-N. And that's from Arbois. And Arbois is a beautiful village in kind of, again, in the foothills of the Alps. One of the coldest places I've ever been. Right. OK. Right. Two, uh, uh, finally, two uh, quick bits of uh, Hollywood news. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Jim Jones. I could see that. Yeah, it's I, yeah. I when I looked at them side by side, I was like, oh, scary. Um, yeah, he's going to play Jim Jones in A White Knight, which is based on uh, Deborah Layton's memoir, Seductive Poison. She was obviously one of the survivors of the Jonestown cult. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is going to play her in the movie um, but interesting enough I didn't realise that Leonardo DiCaprio is also going to play him in a different oh, like Johnstown thing <laughs> from MGM and it's written by the guy who wrote Venom which doesn't I don't <laughs> I, I don't know but Leo also kind of looks like him as well when I was yeah. looking at the pictures again it's weird anyway I think it's going to be very interesting to compare them we're going to we're getting into this thing where we're getting a lot of biopics like a lot of multiple biopics on the same story the same with the Tiger King thing like yeah. they're all coming soon and I'm looking at the pictures and I'm like I can't but anyway that's coming out soon so keep an eye out for that yeah, um, and, and there's going to be a Grease prequel when I told Mick this he was very excited so was he? you yeah, seem you seem Mick loves that kind of thing uh, Mick also said he preferred Grease too so I'll just I'm going to drop that okay. bomb how many Greases were there? Probably, two. probably 12 yeah I know <laughs> The reboot is coming soon. <laughs> anyway, um, this is a prequel TV series coming from Paramount Plus, so we'll probably get it here on like now or something. But um, it's Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies takes place four years before the original Grease in 1954, um, where four fed up outcasts dare to have fun on their own terms, sparking a moral panic that will change Rydell High forever. And they've cast actual young people in it this time. I didn't recognise really anyone from the cast, but it's like Marissa Davila, Cheyenne Isabel Wells, Ari Nataro. Oh, uh, my favourites, yeah. <laughs> Chanel Bailey. Um, it's a 10 episode series. Um, we should get it later this year yeah. on some streamer. No word on that yet. Officially. Yeah, when you say actual young people, do they tend to cast like, you know, middle-aged people? Well, like, remember the original Grease, like, they're all 800 years old pretending to be teenagers. Like, uh, I don't think John Travolta was that old okay, at that point. Not, he is now. Okay, not obviously. John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. You're yeah. kind of distracted by the dazzle of them. Look at the rest of them. Look at John Travolta's, what's his name? Danny, Danny Grease, whatever. Yeah. 
Danny Zuko. Sorry. Look at his friends. They're all like on getting friends. the free travel on the, on the bus. Oh, God, like yeah. But don't Sorry, they have to dance just, or anything? Or I they, love are old they just... people. Well, hang on, in this series. I love old people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a musical series. It's a musical series. So there will be singing and dancing. Yeah. Always be oh, together. Fantastic. Et cetera, et cetera. Okay, right. Uh, uh, right. Uh, Mick, <laughs> Esther and Fanula, I love old people. Thank you very much. Yeah, though she couldn't eat a whole one. Just so don't send any in. That's our lot uh, for today. Our production team today, Dara Faulkner, Marisa Sullivan and Michael Quilligan. Kieran's up next on News Talk. We'll talk to you on Monday at 2. Have a lovely weekend. Movies and Booze on Moncrief Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range Lidl, more for you Enjoy alcohol sensibly Visit drinkaware.ie